Hey gang, for those of you that are new that don't know me, my name is John Cook. I am the pastor of care and counseling here at the Mount, and I want to welcome you here to our Stafford campus. I want to welcome those of you at Fredericksburg. Everybody, uh, do something to Caleb today that he doesn't expect, okay? And uh, for those of you that are online, I want to thank you for joining us. I want to thank, I'm going to, I'm going to encourage you if you're online that you would engage with your online hosts and those that are in that chat room with you and share back and forth, all right? Because there is great power in, even on an online community, of having some dialogue with one another. So uh, we're going to look at, and I want to, as we all know this, and if you've ever led in any type of situation, you know that vision leaks over time. And so it's always important that we continue to put that before us and understand why we do what we're doing uh, so that we don't lose the focus of that and get sidetracked. We want to stay laser focused on what we do and what we're about. Um, a number of years ago, the staff, we came together and we came up with what we believe is a very good mission statement. And it is that we are a church for one more. Uh, you'll see that all over the place. We've got it on stickers. We've got it uh, on the walls and things like that. This is the reality. Our mission statement, this idea, we believe, we believe that there is always room left at the end. There is always a seat for one more. If you um, had the pleasure of listening to or being here or watching Pastor Jason's sermon last week uh, when he talked about the 99 and the one sheep that he talked about, the lost coin, and most of all, he talked about the prodigal son, the importance of the one more, all right? If you have not watched or heard Pastor Jason's sermon from last week, you have to, okay? Uh, I will hunt you down, okay, if you don't do this, no. Well, if you've seen any of my posts, I'm not a good hunter, so don't worry about it. Um, yeah. I just want to encourage you to go back and watch last week's lesson from Pastor Jason. Uh, it was so, 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 so good. Um, but what I want to talk about today is I, one of our core values. We have four core values that feed that one more, for one more. And the first one is the importance of inviting. We have, in Jesus Christ, we have the single greatest gift this world has ever seen this world will ever know. And that is the Son of God, part of the, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And we want to share that with others. And it is important that we invite those that we know, our spheres of influence, those circles that we run in, uh, we all have people that come to us eventually at some time or another, or we can see where their life is unraveling. And so, mu so much of it can go to that idea of that, you know, I don't know Jesus. They don't know Jesus. And so we have an avenue. It's a very easy avenue that you have. It's just, hey, come and join us. Just come and join us. All right. Everything we do here at the Mount has intentionality. Um, I talk about this in our Next Step class when we are introducing people that have said, okay, we want to associate with Mount Ararat, we want to learn more about it, and that's what this Next Step class is. But I talk about how everything we do is very, very intentional. 
from the parking lot team. God love them. If you ever work on the parking lot team or if you're thinking about it, just understand this. You will get hit by a car, but it's okay. Most people have walked away from it, okay? Joking. Yeah, we had one guy that limped for a while. But anyway, no. Um, But that parking team is to, you know, just to be a friendly face, to say hi, just kind of keep things organized. We've got the folks that are at the doors, at each of the doors. We call them greeters. Um, And you know what? That may be, no kidding, some people, it may be the first personal interaction that they have had all week long with an adult. And somebody just being at the door saying, good morning, welcome, so glad you're here, things along those lines. And then we have the ushers that come in here that help you find a seat. Um, We have the music team that is very intentional about the songs they they play, you know, I used to joke about it. The first song is to sing them in their seats. The second song is kind of prepare them. And the third song gets them enmeshed into worshiping. Now, I don't know if that's exactly what Andy does, but that's kind of how I see it, okay? We have a security team. We have, um, we have our, our kids ministry and the volunteers that are over there and the staff that's over there. We have volunteers and, and folks that are leading in our student ministry. All of that is designed so that you, when you come here, we want to, with each one of those, those simple little engagements, to help strip away some of the burden of the week so that you can come here, you can hear what God's, you can hear God's word and hear what God has to say for you. All right? Another one of our core values is that of gathering. We believe it's important that you come together, that we come together on Saturday mornings. And we're going to unpack that a little bit today. We also believe it's important that we give. And I'll be unashamedly about this. We're asking for your money. All right? But it's not us. It's God. All right? Just as everything that we have, the grace that we have received through Jesus Christ, we need to be stewards with that to others. We also need to be stewards with our finances because the reality is we cannot do this without you. And I want to just let you know this. I want to remind you, some of you may be new to the Mount. Some of you have been here for years and you've heard this, okay? We, 10% of everything that comes in the doors here goes right back out into the mission field. I need to let you know that last year, Last year, you all allowed us as a staff to bless others within our community, within this country, and around the world with over a half a million dollars. Since Since COVID hit, we have been able, we have not missed a single beat because of your great giving we have still been able to go out and be the church and to be a church for one more. And we refuse to uh, prevent that from happening or prevent anything from allowing us to go out and continue to be the church for one more within our community, within our country, within the world. I was speaking with one of the elders. We had a, uh, I met with some of the elders yesterday just briefly, and one of the elders said that his, his goal for this church is that we would be a city on a hill, a beacon 
Uh, I would say even a, uh, you know, a, a 10 million watt uh, searchlight. And so that people within our community would know that if they need spiritual, if they need physical, if they need emotional, that's what the mount is for. And what we get to do then is then to share Jesus Christ with them and who they are. And then not only do you get to just sit and watch, but more, most importantly, we need you to participate. We need you to participate. And the fourth of our core values is that of volunteering. And we believe that giving is a financial thing. We equally believe that volunteering is my labor. All right? And in, by volunteering, we get to engage in other people's lives. We get to influence other people. We get to enter into real relationship with other people and help build one another up. All right? And I believe that that's exactly what we're supposed to do. I believe Andy Stanley said that the primary role of the church is to one another, one another. And I believe that that's what we're supposed to do. And that idea there is being able to pour into others. And what we get back, we get back tenfold. We get back tenfold. All right. Now, I tell you all of this because I want to go over the core value that we have of gathering, the importance of, of, of coming together. There is a uh, crazy thing that's, that's been happening here in the last couple of years uh, is, and the best word that I can think of to describe it is isolation. So many of us have felt isolated over time, and I believe that it is absolutely a weapon that Satan is using against us. I believe that isolation is a great tool because Satan is keeping things stirred up. And if he can isolate us, if he can take us out of uh, our group and, and make us individual, we can find ourselves in a, corner, in, in a corner somewhere. And no kidding, I am easy prey. I am absolutely easy prey on myself when I am by myself. And I know I'm not the only one. And so I need to have community. I need to have people around me. Isolation is a tremendous tool that Satan can use. And I think the first thing he does, and I believe that isolation unchecked turns into one of these negative spirals that keeps on, or a self-licking ice cream, as my dad used to say. Um, do you guys understand that, a self-licking ice cream? I, I, I still don't. I think I do, but I, I don't. Anyways, okay. But this negative cycle that can happen, and it starts with fear. And we hear it all the time. All you got to do is spend some time on social media. All you got to do is go to one of the, uh, the news outlets. All you got to do is flip on your TV set. And all we hear over and over again, and it doesn't matter which side of the aisle that you're on, you're hearing fear. And fear begets fear. All right. Fear begets fear. Fear also begins to, when I fear, feel fearful, the first thing I want to do is I want to coil back and I want to find, I want to be secluded. I want to find my happy place. I need to find a place that's safe for me. Tell us, how, did anybody, let me do it this way. Did anybody not lose power last week? All right. I need addresses. All right. Yep, I need for you to, to uh, supply addresses, all right? Uh, because you four people are the only ones that made it through, okay? Last hour, there was one person, so yeah. You guys, I don't know where you guys live. Where do you? No, I'm joking. 
My biggest thing was we lost power for eight hours, but really got me, okay, this is bad because I only lost it for eight hours, and six of those hours I was out shoveling snow anyways, all right? And so when I came in and my house was a little bit cooler, it actually felt great, all right? And, but then just about the time I was like, wow, it's starting to get a little chilly in here. The lights came on, angels sang, there was something like, oh, yeah, and uh, we're good. And then, but this is where, this is where it really got crazy. You ready? I lost Wi-Fi. I couldn't stream my TV set. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. I, I, I know. I'm fairly pathetic. I realize that. If anything, you know, we find that we like our comfort zone, okay? And that's what I want to do. Okay, there's tons of snow out there, not going anywhere. I want to find a comfort zone. All right? And there is a sense of fear when the power goes out, when, when things don't go right. But think about what we've been hearing a barrage over over the last two years. It's all fear-based. Because if, I can, if, if Satan can get us living in a sense of fear, he begins to paralyze me. I'm going to seclude off. I'm going to find my safe place. And the more I seclude... Then what I'm doing is I'm starting to get trapped within my own self and trapped within our own selves and our own thinkings can really lead to depression and anxiety. Now, I need to let you know depression and anxiety are two totally different things, okay? Uh, But it is when we get trapped in our mind so many times, all right? I call it what a lot of what I talk about when I'm counseling folks is what is the projector? What is the movie that is playing forward in your mind? And most of the time, it starts out pretty bad, and it ends up really, really bad. Think about that. How many of y'all, when you start thinking about the things that would have, could have, should have, never end up with you, you know, living well on the Riviera or whatever that, I don't know if living on the Riviera is what you want to do, but, you know, it always works out that everything's perfect. Most of the time in those, those moments, what starts is a Freddy Krueger movie you know, ends up in a Halloween movie. It just doesn't get any better, all right? And so when we get trapped in ourselves here, and then what we do is we isolate off more. Not only do I go from a place of safety, of seclusion, kind of finding, you know, where macaroni and cheese is is making me happy and everything, I am now completely isolated, and I'm starting to cut people out of my life. And in a, a culture that is thriving on cancel, all right, it's easy to become very isolated. It's easy to become isolated. And then isolation eventually becomes incredible loneliness. In loneliness, we begin to start believing that we are, we're terminally unique, as I used to say, that nobody understands what I'm going through, that I am the only one that is going through this. And so we isolate more. And so what we've created here is this negative cycle. And Satan all along is just laughing at us, just laughing at us. And so I believe that the cure for isolation, one of the cures for isolation is none other than one of our core values, and that is gather. We need community. Plain and simple, we need community. When we are left alone, we are easy prey. There's a passage uh, in uh, 1 Peter that talks about that Satan is like a lion looking to devour, is prowling around looking to devour. And you know, lions, if you ever watch any of those natural, the nature channels and stuff like that, they don't run into the middle of the herd, all right? What they do is they look for the outliers. They look for the weaker ones. They look for the ones that are, that are off by themselves. And then they pounce on them. 
Because they realize, the lion realizes, I can get one and I only need one. Because tomorrow I'll go get another one. And they're playing the long game. All right? Satan is playing the long game. And so there is incredible power when we come together and we are a unified team. Almost 2,000 years ago, there was this guy by the name of Jesus who began a great following. And he did it through incredible teaching. He did it through miracles. He did it through wonders and signs. And then one day, three years after his ministry started, this guy Jesus was executed. And there were a number of people that were following Jesus. And you got to understand, when they began to put their faith and their hope and their trust in Jesus and began to follow him, they began this process of being excluded from the majority of community. And so what they had was just themselves. Now, some of you have been watching the, the program, The Chosen. What a great, you know, it, it's not perfect, but it's pretty good, all right? But this idea of these 12 men and a few straggling people that have left everything and are following Jesus, and then all of a sudden their life gets completely turned upside down on one Friday afternoon when the very person they're following that thought that he was gonna come and totally change the world dies. But we know that there's a Sunday and Jesus rose again and he showed himself to the disciples and he showed himself to a number of people and it was these people 40 days later that are gathered together, they're praying in hopes and in expectations of receiving the Holy Spirit because Jesus sees them one last time and then he sends up into heaven and then as we know that from the account in the book of Acts, Luke writes about that they're all up in the upper room, they're praying and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes upon them and then Peter goes out and he gives this incredible sermon. If you haven't read it, I, need, I wanna encourage you to go to Acts chapter two and read the sermon that Peter gives. It's just phenomenal, okay? But he closes out, they close, Luke closes out this area and he's talking about, and I believe that in this, you're gonna find not only a church that's for one more, but you're gonna see the four core values that the Mount has embraced on what it is for us to come together. And so if you've got your Bibles, I'm gonna ask that you open to Acts chapter two. We'll eventually get to Hebrews, okay? But right now, I just wanna read this passage to you. Acts chapter two, starting in verse, I believe it's 43, 42. We, most of us, if you've been around for a while, you're familiar with this passage, all right? It says this, they devoted themselves and they are the church, the, these believers, all right, almost 2,000 years ago. This is the model that they gave us. They, the believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, we'll tell you, there's gonna be twice here they are gonna talk about the breaking of bread. What Luke is talking about in this particular verse, in verse 42, he's talking about the importance of taking the Lord's Supper, remembering the death, the broken body, and the blood that's poured out for us. Right? But they devoted themselves to this, okay? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship of the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone, now that's not just some, that's everyone. 
Everyone within this congregation, within this church, within this ecclesia, within this gathering, within this assembly, whatever word you want to use, okay? Everyone was filled with awe in the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All of the believers, and I love this joke, that Greek word for all means all, all right? All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, I'll tell you, this one here, this is all about Taco Tuesday, all right? They came together. They came together on a regular basis, had people over at their homes, all right? There's something about sitting around a dining table with others, and just sharing life and sharing a meal that doesn't it, it just kind of starts tearing down some of those walls of separation. And we'll start telling jokes and we'll start having fun with one another. We'll listen intently to somebody else. And if the tacos are really good, man, you can spend a lot of time around that table, all right? Have you had the burrito tacos yet? Oh, money. All right, if you haven't seen it, you got you to search for it, okay? They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I hope that you see that. There is the idea of gathering. There is the idea of giving. There is the idea of, um, of all of our core values, and tell me that they weren't inviting others. Tell me that they weren't inviting others. When Peter gets up and he starts preaching, what is he doing? He's inviting others. Come, hear this message that you killed him, but God raised him from the dead. All right? We have something. We have something that you need. So there was the invitation. There was the gathering. There was the giving. And there was the volunteering. There was the serving of one another. All right, those core values, those core values that are there. Also understand that this church is fledgling. And if you're a Jew Jewish man, a Jewish woman, a Jewish child, and you accepted Jesus at that time, you're ostracized. You're out. This is where moms and dads, dads say, you're no longer a son of mine. You're no longer a daughter of mine. This is where when you went to the, you know, the grocery store that you went to every day to pick up your dates and your vegetables and your, your leg of lamb, that all of a sudden, oh, no, we don't want your business. And so they're completely ostracized. And to top that all off, Rome doesn't want any part to do with them. Good night, Rome just killed your Messiah. You're an outcast. And so the only people I have are this group right here. Let's face it, the early church, they were, they were the original island of misfit toys. Nobody wanted them. Except Jesus. And except one another. And what was mocked by the world came together and they found strength and power and unity in what was a fledgling little movement these people became a team. These people became a church. And here we are almost 2,000 years later, and we are the offspring of that church. Tell me that that's not awesome. But it all started with them coming together. 
It all started them living with that, believing in who Jesus says he is. The man who talked about his death, talked about his resurrection, and then went right around and proved it. I don't know about y'all, but I'm, I'm following that guy. I'm following that guy. If he talks about it and then he turns around and he does it, I think he's the man. And that's who Jesus is. And that's what brought them together. Now, I really want to show you the importance of what it is for us to come together as a family. In Genesis chapter two, God said that it is not good for man to be alone. And what God is talking about there is we know that um, Adam, there was no suitable helper found for Adam. And so as the account goes, Adam falls into a deep sleep. While he's in that deep sleep, God takes from his side a bone, a rib, and he fashions woman from that. And we know that God brings the woman, puts her next to Adam by his side, equal in value, equal in worth, possibly different roles. I would, I would say that there are different roles, all right, but equal in value and equal in worth. Now, in context, yes, we use that many times for the idea of marriage, but most importantly, and don't miss this, that what God is doing is he is creating community. When God says it's not good for man to be alone, we need community. And so what this thing we call church, it is our community. And so it's so important that we do come and gather. There's a passage in Hebrews chapter 10. Most of you are probably familiar with this also. If you've got your Bibles, flip over to Hebrews chapter 10. I want to share this with you, okay? I have been fighting a cough, and I promise you it's not COVID. I haven't got tested this week, okay? But I am fighting a cough, and it is just right about there. So if all of a sudden I have this horrific noise comes out of me, please know that I'm not contagious, okay? Yeah. I want to share this with you, this passage out of Hebrews chapter 10. Many of you have probably heard it before, and in, I think it's New King James Version, it talks about do not forsake the assembly. All right, I'm going to read it in context here in just a moment, but I want you to understand that what we've done over, over the years with this passage, we've actually used it as a weapon to shame people. All right, you need to come to church. Well, I need to, yeah, I, you need to come to church. But understand this, church doesn't save you. It's what Jesus did that saves us, all right? There's a much deeper thing beyond, please don't get me wrong here, okay? Salvation from Jesus is a pretty big deal, okay? Yeah. But there's a really big deal about coming together also. And that's what this passage is all about. I don't want to guilt you into coming to church. I want to show you why you ought to be coming to church, this is one of those 59 passages in the New Testament. You guys have heard, about, heard this before, those one another passages. And the idea of the one another passages is how do we interact with one another? How do we build one another up? How do we keep each other accountable? This is one of those one another passages. It's not a guilt thing. All right, so for those of you that are online, I don't want to guilt you and say, listen, you're forsaking the assembly. No, I'm asking you to come back. I'm asking you to come back for a very specific reason. So the writer of Hebrews talking about this and understand he's got a Jewish, this is primarily a Jewish community that he is talking to, all right? And he says these words. I'm in verse 23 of chapter 10 of the book of Hebrews. 
Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Now, I love that idea, unswervingly. That means straight. That means true. That means staying on that one lane and just keeping focused on the hope that lies before us. And what is that hope? That hope is eternal life with Jesus Christ. That is the end game. And at some point, at some point, hope becomes a reality, as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13. All right, hope will become a reality, but until that reality happens, our hope is to stay on that straight and narrow path and keep focused on that. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful, and that he is none other than Jesus Christ. All right, and let us consider how we may now hear this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. See, this is one of those one another passages. And how do we spur one another on? Think about a spur, it's not jingle, jingle, jingle. Okay, what are spurs for? Spurs are to dig into the side of the horse so it'll do what? So it'll keep going. And go in the direction in which we're steering it. Now, if I've got the, if Jesus has his bit in my mouth, all right, and he's holding the reins and he's spurring me on, I'm going to stay unswervingly. I'm going to stay right where he's pointing me. And when I'm here and I am around other believers, I am being challenged to stay on that and allow God to be the one that guides me and directs me. All right? So I'm going to spur, we're allowing Jesus to spur us on to for one another and to love others and to do good deeds. And then this is the part where we take it out of context. It says, not giving up mating together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And that day, of course, would be the return of Jesus Christ. Now listen, during COVID-19, we've lost a number of things. All right. Some are good, some are bad. Some of you that had to make that commute up to D.C. every day, you got like an 18-month break. All right, But then you had to work from the house with the dog and the kids and your spouse and the kids. <laughs> Not everything that we lost was bad. I don't know about y'all, but it puts some things into perspective for me. That, you know what, as much as I think I have control over situations, yeah, this is another one of those things I don't have any control over. And so it requires me to dig deeper. Okay, what does my faith tell me within this? And I got to be honest, this is my very first pandemic. And so I'm kind of making it up as I go along. And sometimes I make really good decisions. Sometimes I don't make the best decisions. But one of the things that has happened is God has given me some, okay, are you going to trust me or are you not? Now, I'll tell you the one thing that I really, really missed in the pivot that had to happen and, and by the way, I, I just, I, this church, and again, it goes back to the giving that you all did. You set us up and allowed us to be set up for success. So when COVID came and all of a sudden we got that message saying, hey, we got to shut down. We never missed a beat because of our online campus that we had started three years prior to that. But I tell you what, I was so grateful for that, but it didn't take long where I missed coming together. I miss, the, one of the things that I miss the most, you might not realize this about me, okay? I'm gonna just give you a little insight to me. I am an extrovert. What? I know. 
I love being in, in community. I love being around people. I love high fives. I love handshakes. Oh my gosh, I miss the handshake. And even today, you know, it's still awkward. Handshake, the other guy gives you a fist. And so you go to the fist, they give the handshake. And you end up, I don't know, doing the hustle or something. I don't know. Yeah. I miss hugs. I miss the bro hug. Three is all you get. That's it. Anything other than that, it gets weird, okay? But I need that. I need that from you. And I know I'm not the only one because I've had these conversations with people. And again, please understand, Satan wants to stir things up and keep things in a fear base to isolate us, to take us off and get us into a corner where we're easy prey. But this scripture, and this is no different than what's happening to the church here that the writer of Hebrews is talking about. They're losing everything and they're questioning their hope. And so they're deviating off. Well, if I just do this, if I make this one little you know, I, I, I don't have to do that. I, I can do that. No, 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 no. And then all of a sudden what we do, we start, we stop coming. And we say, well, I don't need the church. Now, I will tell you, I think we need the church. I will equally tell you, in fact, I know we need the church. I equally know that we are a group of imperfect people that just by chance, we're a group of sinful people who were trying to allow God and trying to seek God's face and allow him to transform us more and more into his image. Now, will you say something silly? Yes. Will I say something silly? Probably already have today. But understand this. This is the vessel that God created to share with the world. What started 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost in a very unusual way, we are the offsprings of that now. Still imperfect, still sinful people, but we are being transformed more and more in the image of, of Christ. And I will tell you this, I have a better chance of finding Jesus sitting in here than I do out in the world. And so those of us that say, well, I don't need church, okay. The analogy I give is, is, you know, barbecuing with coal. If I have a single chunk of coal that rolls off that pile, it still produces heat. It will burn for a while. But that individual piece of coal, I'm not going to be able to cook anything on it. But when I take that individual coal and I stick it back on the pile, it's going to burn brighter, hotter, and longer than it would by itself. Make sense? Okay. I want to give you three quick points, and we're going to wrap this thing up because I know that, wow, I'm running late, and it's lunchtime. Okay? Here we go. Three points I want you all to take away from this, okay? In this passage of coming back and understanding the importance of one anothering other people, okay? When we gather, you ready for this? You are a blessing to others. 
When you come here and you show up here, you are a blessing to others. Have you ever had somebody say, hey man, you are, you're an answer to prayer? What? It takes your breath away. It can absolutely take your breath away to have somebody say, you are an answer to prayer. Just your presence, just that handshake, just that hug. See, when we come together, when we gather, when we assemble together, we get to be a blessing to others. Second part is others get to become a blessing to us. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I need you. I talked to you about this already. I need you. I need you people. I come here on a Sunday morning. I love walking through the aisles. I love saying hi. I love seeing people that, you know, are friends of mine that are here that are church shopping. Just joking. Folks that are here, I, it's so exciting. And the third part of this, you ready? We're going to land it on this. When we come together, we are a blessing to God. Have you ever thought about that? We, as a unified church, are a blessing to God. I love that. I love that idea. And so this is what I'm saying. It's time for us to come back together. It's time. For those of you that are online, that are in the Fredericksburg, Stafford area, I'm gonna ask that you come back. Now, I understand. I understand COVID is big, scary, audacious. You do whatever you need to do. If that's vaccinating, if that's getting a booster, if that's wearing a mask, you do what you need to do. If you need to sit towards the back of the room and not be with, the, with everyone, you do that. But don't underestimate the blessing that you are losing and don't underestimate that Satan wants to keep you isolated off. And so I'm asking you to come back. It's a core value. It's what the early church did. Even in the midst of all the trials that they were going through, they still came together. And so that's what I'm asking you to do. And again, isolation, I believe the cure for that is none other than gathering, is to coming back together. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come on up. Come on back out. We're gonna land this plane real quick, okay? There are next steps that each of us can take. Some of you, some of you have been, uh, you know, you were searching for a community. You realize, okay, I need community. Well, I want to let you know that this is a really good community, and we've got a number of different opportunities for you to be able to plug in here, all right? We have what we call these things, not only on Sunday morning, okay? We've got two services that we do on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock and 1030, all right? In fact, this next Saturday morning, we're going to have a very special gathering, and it's for a what we call a member gathering or a uh, and we are going to, we are going to uh, elect two men, or we're going to vote on two men that are being presented before the congregation to be elders, men of great faith and great integrity. I'm very excited about this. We're going to have an opportunity to uh, vote on our budget so that we can keep rolling and keep being a blessing to this community. All right. We're going to get an update of our senior pastor search. All right, and so these things, but, more, but also in doing this, we're gonna meet at nine o'clock Saturday morning, all right? But in doing this, you're gonna be able to be a blessing to others and others are gonna be a blessing to you and together we get to be a blessing to God.
and to continue his work that he is doing here at the Mount. We also have these things called care, or home groups. Home groups are something that we meet, and most families will meet pretty much throughout the year, except for during the summer months. There's an old saying that we are better together in circles than we are in rows. Our home groups are just that. We're trying to get people to go from the macro, from the big gathering, which I think is very important, but also start shrinking it down into a manageable size. And so in a home group, what you get to do is you get to experience life. You know, maybe we'll do Taco Tuesday or, uh, you know, something like that. But you're going to come in, you're going to sit around a table, you're going to sit in a room with 8, 10, 12 other Christians. And what you guys are going to do, you're going to do a Bible study. There's going to be prayer time, but what we're really going to do, we're going to start entering into one another's lives. We're going to start doing that one another stuff. All right? And then all of a sudden, I'm not isolated anymore. All of a sudden, I realize, wow, the things that I'm going through, some of the other people are doing, going through also or have gone through that. And all of a sudden, there's incredible power and in understanding that I'm not alone. There's such great power and understanding I'm not alone. And so maybe that's what you need to do. You need to do a, a, a home group. We have a really great webpage, www.mtarat.org groups. No kidding. If you go to that website, if you go to that group, or if you go to that website, you will find a listing of all of our groups. Those home groups, those life groups that we do, like we actually technically call them life groups. It doesn't mean that you're in it for life, but you do life together, okay? Yeah. We also have these things called care groups. Care groups are, uh, we have got care groups, we've got semester groups, all right? Semester groups do that just that, they meet for a semester. A really great semester group that we have is Alpha. Some of you are just looking for an easy on-ramp, okay? I need some type of a Bible study, I need to enter into community. We meet here on Thursday nights, here in the building, over in the children's wing, all right? And the whole idea is you get to ask questions. You get to ask questions about Jesus and about God. But most importantly, you're gonna to begin to enter into community and understand what it's like to live or to do life with other people that may have some of the very same questions that you do. And then we have the care groups, which are near and dear to my, to my heart. One of our greatest care groups that we have is Celebrate Recovery. I love Celebrate Recovery. You guys have heard me say this. It is for anybody with a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up. And so as somebody said yes, uh, earlier this morning, if you got a belly button, we got a group for you, okay? Yeah. Celebrate Recovery is not just about addiction. It's about doing life when things are hard. We have a really great group called uh, Reboot. And it's for those that are dealing with post-traumatic stress. It originally started for combat but it's expanded out now to be first responders in combat. And the reality is a lot of us is, have grown up or survived and walked through trauma. And it does affect us. And we have a group and it's incredible to come together with some people, 10, 12 people and say, hey, let's, this is my story. To be transparent enough to say, this is my story. And then all of a sudden hear three other people go, yeah, did you go through this too? What? Yeah and realize there's great strength in that. We have a marriage group, Marriage on the Rock, not on the rocks, Marriage on the Rock. It's gonna meet on Thursday nights. 
to help edify and build you up. And again, you get a number of couples together, get four, five, six, seven, eight couples together. And all of a sudden you realize, wow, there's wisdom because they've been through this. There's wisdom because they're going through this. And all of a sudden you get to be a blessing to somebody else. Yeah, we did that two years ago. This is what we did. What? See, there's a reason why we do the things we do, these core values. And we believe that gathering is exactly what Jesus has called us to do. And so again, if you're online, wherever you are, I wanna encourage you, it's time to come back. It really is time to come back. It's time to engage. And listen, if this is your first time here at the Mount, or you guys are just looking and you're trying to figure out more about the Mount, we got a perfect group for you and talk about an easy launch. It's only three weeks. It's Sunday, three Sundays in a row. And what we're gonna do in that next step of meets right here, it reach during the, uh, the first service at nine o'clock, you're gonna, you're gonna hear about the church. You're gonna hear about the different types of groups that we have. You're gonna hear about the areas in which you get a volunteer. You're gonna hear about the different things that we do within this community, within the nation and within the world. And if this is where you believe that God is calling you to plug in and to do the one anothering that you're called to do, we want you to come. We want you to learn about this. And most importantly, and if this is your next step, and maybe you've never accepted Jesus, all right, your next step is to start doing that. We're gonna have our prayer team up here this evening or this morning as we close this out. I wanna encourage you to come up and speak with one of the prayer team members. So listen, I'm gonna land this plane really quick. It's gonna be, put your seatbelt on, all right? God is calling us to gather and we gather for His glory and for the glory of one another. Father God, I come to you and I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for who you are and I thank you for what you've done. I thank you that you have given us this thing we call the church, the ecclesia, the gathering, the assembly. That Lord, it, it is in you that you bring broken people to come together, to learn and to do life together. And in doing so, Lord, you strengthen us, you empower us, and you transform us. It's not us that do all the work, it's you. And so God, I'm just asking that we would commit to gathering. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.